welcome to the Beware of the Stampede podcast. I'm your announcer for today, Jeremy Grethel, and let's get ready for kickoff. Happy Festivus Day, everybody. This is Jeremy Grethel, again from Beware the Stampede, and thank you for joining me on our sixth episode podcast. This is our Festivus Christmas podcast. promised you guys I was going to come out with one before the holiday, so here it is, really on the holiday uh, for Christmas. Festivus, as we know, was the 23rd, but I wanted to make sure I include it because it is a very important holiday. Hopefully you're all doing well out there. If you're all traveling today or have been traveling, hopefully we got to your destination safely on time, mainly in one piece. I know there's been a lot of issues with weather and flights, etc. So wishing you all the best at this holiday time with your loved ones and your friends and family. As hopefully you're celebrating that holiday today or you have uh, and you're enjoying your Hanukkah and you enjoyed your Festivus with your feats of strength. So we're going to go ahead and get started today couple things I'm going to talk about. I want to talk about the playoff opponents that we might be facing, uh, kind of go through the New England game real quick, and I want to talk about Deion Dawkins a little bit. So with that being said, you can always subscribe to our podcast, and I hope you do on your favorite streaming services, so please make sure you subscribe. You can also follow Beware the Stampede on Twitter at BWR the Stampede, and you can also follow Joe from Believers Talk, who's one of our partners this year, at Believers Talk on Twitter. You can also follow him on YouTube at Believers Talk. All right, everyone. So, let's get started. The tradition of Festivus begins with the airing of grievances. I got a lot of problems with you people. Now, you're going to hear about it. All right. So, along with that and the airing of grievances, let's talk about the Bills game on Saturday against the Patriots. All right. I'm trying to stay grounded here because I know that game doesn't matter. I know it didn't matter because we still could be in the the fifth spot in the wild card. So, it it did matter. Let's... Forget that for a second. The game did matter. It always matters because it still breaks our heart because it's the Patriots of all teams. So that game does matter. But with that being said, there were no negative implications for the Bills. So it was one of those games, if we didn't win, it wasn't the end of the world. However, that being said, of course we want to win. It's Tom Brady and the Patriots, and we feel like we always need to win that game. And we're so close. And yet again, I can't help but think, how did the refs possibly screw our team? Because it seems like there's always a way our team gets screwed with this in the Patriots. Everybody does. And from the moving of the ball, which I'm sure you've all seen the clips on social media and YouTube, etc., from the face mask penalty, which kills me at the end of the game, because that missed call would have given us a first and 10, I think at the 11. And unfortunately, we didn't get that call. So, you know, not much we can do at that point. That, that should, I'm not even sure how they missed that call, but then again, I'm sure they just conveniently missed that call because that seems to happen a lot when the Patriots play teams and something doesn't go the way it's supposed to and calls get blown. But regardless, we lost the game. Patriots won the game. I'm sick of Tom Brady thinking he's the greatest thing since sliced bread with his one block. It's like, wow, good for you. And like Trey White said, God forbid anybody hits Tom Brady, they're going to be penalized and fined by the NFL because, well, you know, Brian Goodell got him in his pocket. So... Um, obviously the Bills have clinched the fifth seed in the AFC playoffs coming up. Um, so for the wild card, we're either going to play at this point on January 4th, which is a Saturday or obviously Sunday, January 5th. And we're going to be on the road regardless if we win the first round. So it doesn't matter at this point, if we win our first game, we're still going to be on the road. Now, only two teams we can play, which is going to either be the Texans or the Chiefs. I suspect it's going to be the Texans, but if you're wondering 
how does this all shake out? Who would we play? The Bills will play Houston unless the following happens. The Chiefs lose next week and the Texans win next week. Now, if that's the case, then we would play in Kansas City, which means the Chiefs would have to lose at home against the Chargers and the Texans would have to win at home against the Titans. So that's how we would end up playing Kansas City. I don't think that's going to happen. I I don't see Kansas City losing to the Chargers. I don't think that's going to happen. I would be very surprised if that happens. But, I don't know. Maybe they will. We'll see what happens. I'm sure we're going to probably be playing Houston. And that's fine. I would rather play Houston than Kansas City. I've actually talked about Kansas City um, earlier this season in some of the podcasts about how I really would hate to be stuck in a shootout against that team because I think we would have a very hard time keeping pace with them because the Chiefs offense is built to put up a lot of points. Our offense is not built for that. We have a we have an efficient offense. We have a good offense, but our offense isn't built to put up 40 points a game. I mean, the other big problem we had in the Patriots game because there were still there were there were problems. I mean, it didn't I feel like the score wasn't indicative of how we played. I mean, the Patriots had almost 39 minutes of possession. That's absurd. That's absolutely ludicrous. I mean, 39 minutes of possession? That You can't have that. You can't have your defense on the field for 39 minutes. I mean, that's just insane. I mean, when you can't get your defense off the field, that's a big reason that you're going to lose a game. The fact that it was only a touchdown that we lost by and that we had a chance up until the closing play is amazing. Because when you figure your your defense is on the field for 39 minutes of the game and you're only down by a touchdown... Doesn't speak great volumes for New England either, in all honesty. I mean, New England's like, yeah, we won. That's great. Good for you guys. Granted, you also had a few questionable plays there that were given to you. But you also you also didn't score all that much either, considering our defense had to be absolutely exhausted by the end of that game when they're on the field for 39 minutes. So I guess take that as your victory there, Patriots. I hope Miami spanks them anyway. I know they're going to sit their players, but I, I just want, I hope Miami steamrolls them. I'd love to see Fitz just put up like 40 points on them. It'd make me so happy. Considering, if I recall correctly, Miami lost uh, 43 to something the first game. So it'd be fun to see it be a reverse roll and just smash the Patriots. The other big problem we had is we couldn't convert third downs. And you've got to be able to do that. You know, the Patriots were great about doing it. They converted half of their third downs. They were 7 of 14. So obviously, if they're keeping those drives alive, that's helping them. Unfortunately for us, we were terrible on third down. We couldn't keep a drive alive for anything. We actually were uh, 2 of 11 for 18% on third downs. You're not going to win ball games if you can't continuously move the ball and keep the drives alive. It's just not going to happen. I look at this game, and you look at the way some of these players played, but ultimately... If you can't keep the ball moving, then there's not much you can do. And I'm not worried. Again, I'm not panicking here. I'm not going to freak out. I know some people are disappointed. I'm disappointed. I'm not mad. I'm disappointed. I'm disappointed because I would like to beat the Patriots. But the reality of it is, even if we beat the Patriots, and let's be honest with ourselves here, okay? Even if we beat the Patriots, and they had to play all their starters in Week 17 against the Dolphins, what is the honest likelihood that they were going to lose and we're going to win the AFC East. And I'm not saying that to be negative, Nelly. I'm just saying that to be a realist here. Because I know we all wanted to win it, and we're going to. Trust me, it's going to happen. 
we're building the team. The process is being followed. We're going to have the team that's going to compete for the AFCs. I'm not worried about that part. But I know we're all frustrated it didn't happen this year. However, that being said, the reality of Miami coming into Foxborough next week and beating the Patriots if their full roster is playing is slim to none. I mean, again, Ryan Fitzpatrick was leading the team, and I don't even know. I haven't even looked at it this week. I assume it still stays true. Was leading his team in rushing. You know, probably unlikely they were going to beat the Patriots anyway. And we'd still be a five seed. And I almost might be more frustrated then because then I would still have to wait to find out what happens. And then we're playing our starters the entire game of week 17 in the hopes to win the game. Now, granted, it means we have a chance. But at this point, I'd rather just kind of let the guys maybe play a half, a quarter, pull them out, let them rest up, get ready for the playoffs, and start fresh. If we play Houston, I like our chances against Houston a lot more than Kansas City. So hopefully that card goes our way. As far as the possession, the time of possession goes, you can tell there was 53 offensive snaps for the Bills. There was 74 on defense. 74. That's insane. That's such a disparity of 21 extra snaps. A couple of little things with the with the snaps. Um, one, obviously Frank Gore appears to have finally been kind of taken out of the offense. I've been wondering all season when that was going to start to happen. I figured it was going to happen. I just didn't know when. But it, it is pretty clear that he has been moved out of the offense. Devin Singletary, as I talked about basically at the beginning of the season, the guys that blitzed football, you know, when they asked if I thought Devin Singletary could be an every down back, and he is. He played 52 of the 53 offensive snaps. 96% of the snaps he was in. So yeah, that was good. Um, Levi Wallace and Kevin Johnson are still splitting time. 37 snaps for Levi Wallace, 35 for Kevin Johnson. I've been wondering how that's going to continue to shake out, and they're still splitting time with them. It's kind of interesting to see how that's going. So as far as the rest of the team goes, a couple guys did pretty well. A couple guys did not do so well. And at the Festivus dinner, you gather your family around and tell them all the ways they have disappointed you over the past year. All right, a couple guys that played pretty well. Cole Beasley, obviously, stepped up big time, you know. It's one of those things the Patriots like to take away your best player, and they try and do that with every single team that they play. And in taking away uh, John Brown for the most part, you had Cole Beasley step in with seven catches for 108 yards. What's pretty awesome is it was the second 100-yard receiving game of the Bills, and if he gets 56 receiving yards next week, and I hope that he does, so hopefully Allen's going to target him, uh, Beasley will set a new career high in receiving yards in a single season. What's pretty cool about this, too, and to see how these guys have kind of reinvigorated their careers, Brown's already hit that mark. Brown's already hit a new single-season record for receiving yards for himself, and he still has another game to go. So you've got two guys who've been in the league for a few years now who've now come to the Bills and are actually having career seasons. You know, my hat's off to, to Josh Allen, and I think that says a lot about him when you look at the fact you can bring guys in like that. And that just goes to show when you bring in those complimentary pieces, you can really set your team up for success because you're putting the guys in the right type of system where they're going to continue to thrive and also help a growing player, you know, Josh Allen, because he's got those safety valves, if you will. He's got those veterans who have that presence in the locker room, who have that understanding of offenses, who know where they need to be, when they need to be, when they're looking at the playbook. And they have a very good rhythm and tempo with Josh Allen. I mean, you can see Josh Allen hitting these deep balls like he did to smoke. Um, Cole Beasley is just, I mean, lately I feel like the guy's everywhere. Like wherever he is, I feel like that ball just locks in on him. So that was good to see. Obviously, 
Josh Allen looked pretty good. Um, his numbers weren't really super impressive. He was 13 and 26, but he did have those good throws. He did have that one to Brown, also the one to Dawson Knox, and he had two touchdowns. One to, of course, Deion Dawkins. We'll talk about that in a second. And the main thing, Josh Allen, is that again he did not turn over the ball. He has really limited those turnovers. Ever since he talked about and really brought to the forefront, and they talked about playing Fearless, his game has changed tremendously. He has really stepped into his own, and I'm really impressed to see how he's continued to develop. And honestly, if nothing else, I mean, you've got to be excited for next season whenever that comes around. And I'm not saying I want to get to the next season. I'm not. I want to keep playoff football going. I like watching football. I like that we get to play into January. If we could play even farther, that would be outstanding. But this makes me feel really good about where we're headed going into the offseason whenever that time comes, knowing we have nine draft picks, $90 million, and a quarterback who is now stepping into his own, a running back who has shown he's a three-down back, who's going to be a key piece of the offense as well. So you've got two young guys right now in two key positions who are really stepping into their own role. So that's a great thing to see. Dayball, I mean, let's talk about him for a second. Obviously, Beasley, he got into the game a lot. He knew Jonathan Jones was going to be out, so that was a huge piece of that. And he called some more bold plays. He's really been getting very creative with, obviously, that trick touchdown play to Deion Dawkins. I I, I love seeing that stuff, too. I love seeing these random guys score. And I know they're kind of bold moves. and It's it's just something fun to see in the NFL because I feel like sometimes everybody can be so cookie-cutter. I feel like Miami's like that, too. Miami has done some really crazy stuff this year. And it's just kind of fun to see. It makes it a little more entertaining. When you get to this level, that it's not just, you know, A, B, and C, you know, put the square peg in the square hole. Like, guys are getting creative with plays, and I like seeing that. It makes it a little more entertaining, and it just kind of keeps the defenses on their toes as well. Dable, obviously, as we talked about, Frank Orr's pretty much done at this point as far as, you know, the carries he's been getting. I don't think he's coming back next year. I think this, for me, was kind of the uh, realistic part of understanding he won't be on the roster next year. I mean, clearly he's not being involved in the offense at all. And even when he is, he's not doing anything anymore. I think this is just, again, as I've talked about earlier in the year, you wonder when time is going to catch up with him. And I think that's where it finally has. Poyer played a great game. You know, he did have that tackle on Burkhead from behind and got the fumble. I mean, he had 10 tackles, 10 solo tackles, 11 total tackles. So, you know, he was holding his own in the game as far as that goes. Unfortunately, there were a lot of guys that did not step up to what I was expecting. Got a lot of problems with you people. Teron Johnson, he was supposed to hopefully help on Julian Edelman. That didn't really work out. Edelman had 72 yards and five catches, and he just he was having a hard time on that. Jordan Phillips. Jordan Phillips. Man, I really like you. You've really stepped into your own this year. I was disappointed in this game. He had one tackle for a loss. But there was not one sack on Tom Brady. Not one. For our defense that's that good, I I expected more. I was very disappointed by this. And I know their offensive line is pretty good for New England. But, man, I really, the fact we can get one sack on Tom Brady. I mean, and that's a guy that doesn't move out of the pocket. He's not fast. So this isn't a guy you have to worry about moving around the pocket too much. He's not Josh Allen, you know, where he's breaking a lot of tackles, stiff-arming guys, you know, plowing through somebody. It's Tom Brady. He's like 500 years old, but I expected at least a sack, so I was disappointed in Phillips for not coming through in that, along with the rest of the defense for that matter, not just Phillips. But uh, Alexander, you know, missed tackles, a lot of missed tackles in this game. 
Um, that's another thing. If you look at it, there were a lot of tackles that should have been guys should have been wrapped up, been able to go down, and they didn't. Um, Alexander had the chance to stop Burkhead from scoring on the one play that was on the goal line, but he wasn't able to, and Burkhead scored. You know, another missed tackle. And there were a lot of those with Burkhead. I feel like, and I know he's kind of a a big guy. He's a tough guy to tackle, but I feel like once you get him wrapped up should be able to drop him. Matt Milano had the same problem. Matt Milano missed a lot of key tackles. Sonny Michelle had that big run. Milano had him, you know, wrapped up from behind, and he just broke away. I mean, I'm not – Milano's had a great year. A lot of these guys have had a great year. But, you know, these are the things that you hope you don't see. You know, you hope you don't see these missed tackles and these guys breaking through. I mean, that being said, Milano did lead the team in tackles with 12. So I can't completely fault him, but sometimes it's those key plays that you see that really stick in your mind, and that was one of them. Sonny Michelle breaks off that run. You know, Milano had him and just couldn't drag him down. Cody Ford, we, we've been saying Cody Ford's been having some really good games over the years. So he had a, he's had a great season. I mean, he's really stepped into his own in a lot of ways, and he's had a, a pretty good success against some key players in the NFL. You know, unfortunately... The biggest part is, and I'm not just going to blame Cody Ford, I'm going to blame the entire offensive line on this, but there were four sacks, and Allen was hit seven times. You know, we saw this in the first game when Van Noy absolutely thrashed the offensive line and was part of the reason Allen threw a lot of interceptions, had a lot of pressure. I will give Allen this. He did not throw in any interceptions, and he was pressured a lot and not give up too many yards and didn't make any stupid moves um, when he was under pressure. Gore, this is interesting. Did not obviously have a good game either. As we said, he only got he was only for two snaps. But for the first time in his 15-year career, he failed to get a carry against the Patriots in a game he was active. So maybe this is it. Maybe Father Time is finally catching up with Frank Gore. Josh Allen, I love this guy. Every week I love him more. And now as Festivus rolls on, we come to the feats of strength. Well, Josh Allen has some feats of strength. As we talked about, he went 13-26 for 206 yards and two touchdowns which is way better than the three interceptions he had in week four. He has really changed. And we've talked about this, but let me just throw some figures at you. Allen threw seven interceptions in the Bills' first five games. But since that, he has thrown 15 touchdowns to two interceptions and had six rushing touchdowns. That's awesome. In the fourth quarter, as we know, he's been like a fourth-quarter quarterback, like a comeback quarterback. 8.0 touchdown-interception ratio is the best in the NFL. His 109.7 passer rating ranks sixth, and his 11 rushing first downs ranks second among quarterbacks. This is amazing, by the way. His eight-game winning drives in the fourth quarter or overtime since the start of last season trail only Deshaun Watson, Russell Wilson, and Drew Brees. It's a pretty solid list. Is a second-year player to be in the same breath as Deshaun Watson, Russell Wilson, and Drew Brees. I mean, the guy's a stud. Let's just say it. That's it. I mean, we all know it. He's a stud. He's just, he's killing it. He is killing it. And this is his second year. And this is his first year being a true starter. So there's a lot of big things to come out of Josh Allen. A lot of good things to come. And again, I'm going to say it. If you're not excited, if you're not pumped for Josh Allen, I don't know. The dude's amazing. He really is. Like, he is something special. He loves Buffalo. Buffalo loves him. And the guy has a ridiculous amount of talent. He is just naturally gifted. He's got a cannon for an arm. He's big. He can run. He can break tackles. And he's started to figure himself out. I mean, that to me is the most impressive thing. Because if you looked at that first part of the season, he was really struggling with the turnovers, keeping the ball secure, throwing the interceptions, and then immediately was like a light switch clicked. 
And all of a sudden now, he's been so much more consistent. And yes, he still hasn't had that beloved 300-yard game. But they're still winning, and he's being efficient. I don't care. I don't care about 300-yard games. I don't think anyone that's truly a fan of the game and understands the game cares about the 300-yard game as much as some people do. I'm one of those people. I don't care. I don't. I just want to win football games. I want a guy that can take care of the ball and lead the team. You're a quarterback. That's your job. Not to throw 300 yards to win football games and manage the team when you're on the field. That's your job. There's nowhere in a job description, if there was a true job description, like when you apply for a job, for a quarterback that says needs to throw 300 yards is a requirement. Now, that might be like would be preferred to throw 300 yards, but there's nothing in there that says that. There's also not anything that says, um, by the way, you need to rush for eight touchdowns and be Josh Allen and be the man. If that was in there, he nailed it because it should be in there because he's nailing it. He's killing it this year. So let's be happy for Josh Allen. Josh Allen, you're the man. Don't sit there and keep blaming yourself if the team doesn't win. You know, what I like is he's the way he talks, too. Um, he was talking this week. If you look at the teams we play the past three weeks, they're all playoff-type teams. So after getting that experience against these defenses, teams we might be able to see again, it's all valuable experience. Because playing those games in December means something. Not many people are doing that right now, and we're one of those teams. Because he's right. A lot of teams don't make the playoffs. A lot of games right now don't matter. These games matter. And he's getting that experience against teams that, while he may not directly play those teams, are teams that are of that caliber. And the Bills have held their own in those games. Haven't been the best games they've played, but they've held their own. And they've been in those games. And that's the biggest thing. You've got to be in those games. They're not getting blown out. I mean, that's the biggest part. They're not getting blown out. They're staying in these games. And they lost by seven in Foxborough. And again, to a game that we didn't play our best game. And it's not even we played a bad game. We didn't play a good game. Let's be honest. We didn't play a good game. But the refs didn't help it. And I'm not blaming the refs solely for this, okay? The Bills shouldn't have to be in a position where that becomes an issue. But they didn't help matters any missing a face mask, moving the ball, just the little things that all add up to yards and plays and everything else that goes into it. And we all know this. We watch football enough. You know, one missed call can blow a lot. And that penalty on the face mask that wasn't called, I can't help but sit back and wonder how that would have changed the game with two and a half minutes left if the Bills are then on, uh, I think it was the 11 or 12-yard line with a first down. You know, it doesn't matter because we're never going to know, but I just can't help but think about that. So, moving on. Next thing I want to talk about. If the Bills don't get, like, every single primetime game next year, I'm going to be furious. Because yet again, yet again, Bills Mafia comes through and comes through in the clutch with watching the game and blowing ratings out. So, at some point, I swear to God, the NFL needs to really take into consideration who's watching these games. Because... It's all about, oh, well, let's put the big teams on. No one cares. People aren't watching those teams. Like, understand people watch the Bills. Bills Mafia comes out in droves to watch our team play, no matter what it is. And now, remember this, by the way, okay, before I get into this. This was on the NFL Network. Most people, I shouldn't say most people. I don't, I actually have no statistical idea behind this. I'm just saying this from people and fans and followers that I've talked to don't seem to have NFL Network. So this is not something that's on your basic cable package or that most people might be able to stream or get easily. NFL Network is one of those kind of quirky, you kind of have to pay, or depending on the TV package you have, may or may not have it. I know I have it. I know a lot of people that I know out here in the, at least Rochester area, did not have that package. And we're not considered a local market, so it wasn't guaranteed to be broadcast. Even though we have training camp here, and we're literally stones throw away from Buffalo, and... 
we all basically go back and forth to Buffalo for all the games and are essentially home market. But they do not consider us the home market. So, with that being said, the NFL media shared on Sunday that the Bills' Saturday afternoon matchup against the New England Patriots was the NFL Network's most-watched exclusive game in three years. Three. The NFL media added that the Bills-Patriots matchup was the second-most-watched Saturday game overall in the network's history. Only a 2009 matchup between the Cowboys and the Saints fared better in the ratings. Okay? Second best ever on a Saturday in the network's history. And don't forget, Thanksgiving Day, when we beat the Cowboys 26-15, CBS said they had their biggest Thanksgiving Day ratings in 27 years with 32.538 million viewers. It was the highest rated regular season game on any network in three years. So yet again, Bill's Mafia killing it watching the team. That's it. We just kill it. We kill it. We love our team. Everyone else seems to love watching this team. So just put them on primetime. You're going to make money. Okay? That's a given. People want to watch this team. That's clearly evident at this point. So next year, don't screw us on the schedule and give us all these 1 o'clock games. Give us some primetime games. And then guess what? You don't have to flex it and screw up everybody's schedule that's trying to go to these games because now you've moved them all. Just give them the games. Just give us the games. Okay? There you go. Problem solved. You're welcome, NFL. Last thing I want to talk about, Deion Dawkins. Not only did the man score a touchdown, which was great to see, by the way. I love that stuff. But I just want to talk about him because, as you guys know, I like to talk about good stuff going on. And some of you may not have heard this because I think this was kind of more a local thing. But Deion Dawkins did a toy drive for Oshi Children's Hospital in Buffalo. And he ended up bringing in toys on Monday morning. And I just wanted to share that. And he partnered with the Buffalo store because it's something I don't know if was really caught up in national media, if you will. And it may have been more of a local story, but I want to share that with you guys because I think that's important to see these guys doing this. You know, you get home and it's the week of Christmas. You know, Hanukkah had just started on Sunday and he's bringing in toys for all these kids at Children's Hospital. You know, he said, I just wanted to gather as much stuff as possible. I figured that there's definitely people in need in the hospital. They're already going through so much stuff that I have no idea about and I just want to make people smile. That's just as classy of a move as they can come. I love these guys. I love being a Bills fan for so many reasons. And it's stuff like this that just makes you feel good about the guys you support. You know, they give back so much to the community. They do so much good. And it's the stuff like that that I love to see. I mean, Josh Allen, you see him all the time. He's always in the hospitals. And it's just great to see. One other piece of this is obviously the hospital's always looking for donations if you're in that area. November, December, and January are all popular months for donations to the hospital. Some of the most demand items that they need are uh, they have a lot of infants and they need a lot of infant crib toys, but also want people to remember there's a lot of teenagers here. So just keep that in mind, guys. If you're going to be making donations, uh, Oshi Hospital would certainly appreciate that. With that being said, I'm going to cut this off a little over my time that I usually go, but I wanted to make sure I got this episode out. It was going to be the Christmas episode, but I've decided to make it a festivist Christmas episode. I apologize for no Christmas music in here. Probably should put some of those sound bites in there. Trying something a little bit different this week. Don't usually use sound bites, but uh, trying a couple different things as the season winds down, as we get into the off season, a couple more weeks, start figuring out things for next year. Uh, podcast is going to keep going in the off season, by the way. So this isn't going to stop. Uh, I'm just going to continue to start to evolve it, try out a few things to see the format I like. So again, any feedback is always welcome. Please subscribe to the podcast if you haven't yet. I would really appreciate it and share your feedback with me. It makes it allows me to make the show better for you guys, and that's why I'm doing this. You know, I could do this and talk to myself all day long, but I'm doing this for you guys. So I want to know what you guys think, what you guys like, what you don't like, so that I can tailor the show to what you guys want. 
So again, thank you for listening as always. Have a great, hopefully you had a great Festivus. You're having a great Hanukkah. Have a Merry Christmas. If you're traveling on Christmas Day, be safe. Take your time. Enjoy the time with your loved ones. Thank you so much for everything you guys have given me this year, for your time, for your support. Again, it does not go unappreciated or unnoticed. I'm also giving away some koozies. If you're interested in one, hit me up. You can email me at info at bewarethestampede.com. You can hit us up on Twitter at bwrthestampede and let me know. I'm going to give some of those away. You've probably seen the post on Twitter, Instagram, but uh, yeah, if you're interested in one, let me know and I'll get one out in the mail to you. Uh, I still got a few left and probably going to give a few more away. But in the meantime, enjoy the rest of the week. I'll be back later this weekend to talk about the Jets game. So with that being said, let's go Buffalo and beware the stampede.